Happy Women's Day. Uh, I know this podcast is going live on March 9, but I'm actually recording this on uh, the 8th. So um, happy Women's Day, especially to my beautiful wife, who also happens to be an engineer. <laughs> um, it is really, is really great to see so many strong and influential women in the science and engineering. And uh, they, they do really bring a lot to this industry. And I really believe one of the big points is awareness, right? Little girls and teenagers seeing uh, women astronauts, engineers, and scientists. So speaking of strong and influential women in engineering, today I, I am speaking with Maria Elena Rodriguez Hernandez. Elena is an engineer from Spain with over 20 years of experience in the pump industry. She holds a master's degree in mechanical engineering, and later she also got a degree in civil engineering. She's currently a water engineering director at INDAR, and she writes the series called Theory Bites in her own LinkedIn and for the magazine Empowering Pumps. In our talk, we discuss about the pump industry, challenges of designing modern pumps, control of flooding events, the challenges Elena sees for the future of cities and how to manage it. At some point, we also talked about a big project she was involved in a couple of years ago in Lake Meads in Nevada and also a very interesting interview she gave to the magazine Empowering Pumps. Both of them, I'll leave the link in the description for the actual documents that support it. So yeah, that's enough housekeeping. I hope you enjoy as much as I did talking to Elena. She's a really, a really interesting person, really fun, really knowledgeable of what she does and really a really passionate engineer. So now I bring you Maria Elena. We are live. Welcome, Elena. Very nice to have you here. <laughs> yeah, nice to be here uh -huh. also. I hope one day we can do this live again, like face to face. It feels like yeah. never yeah. going to happen again, but maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Because one year ago, this was like just like a joke, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. We're hoping that this summer is going to be normal, but we, we never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So please, I know you a little bit, I worked a uh, little bit indirectly with you, but uh, please introduce yourself. I'm probably going to introduce you before as well, but how do you define who you are? I know you're a civil engineer, a mechanical engineer, a hydraulic engineer. So. Yeah, we say that I'm, a, my background is mechanical engineer. I did my master in mechanical engineering like many years back. Mm -hmm. And when I finished, my final project was a designing and analyzing a pump. Mm -hmm. I think that was the first uh, project of that type in Spain. So I started with hydraulics in 1998 with my final project. And right now I say that I'm a hydraulic in engineer, even if I went back for civil engineering in 2008 to the university, but I always say I'm a water engineer, like more general. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's, yeah, okay. And what brings me to my first question, and that's a, a pretty broad one. How do you define the pump industry? Because, you know, you can work yeah. with mining, we can work with water supply yeah. and everything. How, how do you define the pump industry? Pump industry is all the industry that is related with the pan manufacturer, with all the pan manufacturers. 
mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing and supplying pumps for the different areas like water supply, wastewater treatment, stored water pumping, desalination, irrigation, mining, oil and gas, and power plants. So mm -hmm. right now I'm maybe more focused in water and fluids that behave like water. But the mm -hmm. uh, pump industry is really wide industry with many different areas of activity. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever worked with non-Newtonian fluids like slurries no. and stuff like no, that? No, no. I'm just, uh, I'm more familiar with uh, water or fluids that behave like water. It's, Got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if my first uh, design review when I started in 1998 was a process pump, I analyzed that pump like just with water. So mm -hmm. I'm more familiar just with water. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. And uh, from these different industries that you just mentioned, which one is the, let's say the more challenging, not necessarily the one that you like the most, but the one that will be harder to work? Um, in terms of maybe designing pumps, maybe it's water intake because uh, because how the climate is changing right now, the water levels are going down, down, down. So mm -hmm. the new location of the pumps uh, are new depths, very uh, not normal like in the past. So mm -hmm. the new location of the pumps, the new heads and the new flows, because also the population of the cities are is growing. So you mm -hmm. need bigger pumps, uh, pumping more heads, so at the end are like bigger pumps so in that case i think water supply in the new scenario is one of the most challenging ones hmm. and in another way maybe store water uh, flood control oh. because also right. because how the climate is changing many mm -hmm. cities that maybe in the past were dry during the year right mm -hmm. now are suffering flooding events few times during the year so uh, the new pumping station in order to protect the cities, it's something I'm really interested in. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I, I just moved from the U.S. and I'm living in Bristol in the U.K. And I just yeah. saw, my, my wife is also a civil engineer, and she saw uh, something on the news about a program that they have up until like 2050, because with the estimation of the rising of the waters, Bristol is going to be more and more susceptible to floods. Yeah. So how how does that work? You have like an underwater piping that kind of captures that, and then you pump that out back to the ocean or to another tank. How the, the, the idea is in terms of pumping, you have to have an area in order to to move water from the area where the people is living, because mm -hmm. depending on the area where you have flooding events, it's not just having water in the area. That is not really uh easy to have here but also it's a health issue depending on the country for yeah, example yeah. in depend when you have the mixture of sewage with stored water and could, and all that water is close to the the area where the people is living that could be a really health issue so mm -hmm. controlling uh, the flooding events with this uh, flood control pumping station I think, in my opinion, is one of the biggest challenges in the future for the big cities, not just mm -hmm. in like uh, the typical countries with uh, rainy seasons like Mexico mm -hmm. or all the Caribbean. Right now, in places like New England, New York, all the east coast of the US and also in Europe, 
uh, mm -hmm. there are many resiliency plans in order to protect the cities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I live by the coast and every year we suffer big waves and we know that some buildings close to the beach need to be protected. Mm -hmm. So I think if the this scenario will happen year by year, we have to make something. Not maybe not just a pumping station, but uh, the protection of the buildings close to mm -hmm. the to the ocean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. And for this kind of pumps, uh, would they be driven electrically, or would you put like a, a, a combustion engine to drive them? I think will be uh, electrical and submersible pumps because of the having water in the area. Uh, mm. At the end, when you have like uh, flat, uh, a lot of water in the area, uh, you need to have equipment to be mm -hmm. strong enough to support having water in the area. So in that case, mm -hmm. the future of uh, this kind of uh, installation will be with submersible motor pump sets. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was wondering because I thought if you're already in an emergency, you might as well just don't have electricity available. So yeah, all... yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the second point. Other areas of activity to be uh, supporting you just in case something happened in the area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also the future and another of the big challenges in the pump industry is having equipment, trying to avoid having like oil or grease inside. Of the of the motors, uh, the, right. uh, yeah. for example, in water intake and irrigation, more and more there are a lot of health controls in order to avoid this kind of elements going with the main current. Mm -hmm. So another big challenge in the future is having water fill motors strong enough and for the different areas of activity where you have a risk of mm -hmm. these elements going with the with the water. Uh -huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you? Does that mean everything is using like uh, magnetic bearings? Uh, a skewer cage and magnetic bearings, but just having water inside with uh, no oh, air okay. fill or no oil fill motors. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Cool. Yeah, cool. there is That's a lot. There is a lot of technology to develop, uh, but I think it's the future. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was trying to find this to have this conversation with you, but I couldn't find it anymore. I remember once I was reading an article and I was saying something that half of the electricity consumed in the world is just to drive pumps. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's pretty yeah, interesting. When, yeah, because at the end, when you check the horsepower of your, your electrical motor, it's mm -hmm. something you are consuming in installation, but mm -hmm. it's a need. You need that power in order to, because at the end, a pump is just an element to move water from the uh, initial point to the final destination, mm -hmm. from a reservoir, from a lake, from the ocean, for example, in mm -hmm. desalination pumping station. So mm -hmm. at the end, it's just a movement and you need electricity, you need power in order to, to feed the pumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty interesting. In the... Back in 2013, I did live in Australia, in the west side of Australia, and it's really, really dry there. There is a city, I don't remember, I think it's about 50 kilometers from the coast. The name is Kalgoorlie. It's, uh, it does have the, the biggest open pit um, gold mine. And uh -huh. I'm mentioning that because it's really terrible, because they're already like in the outback, so it's really in the desert. But that had such a huge uh, economical impact. So back 
I think it was like a hundred years ago, they created a pipeline to pump the water from the coast all the way to the outback. Yeah. And it's amazing. I saw that there was a museum that I visited and it yeah. was like literally it was the size of a building to drive a motor to drive the, the pumps. It was yeah. just incredible. And then yeah. during the first world war, there was, um, like the army was there because it was such a strategic point that the whole yeah. army was there protecting the pipeline. Really, really dangerous. Yeah, because at the end, desalination and mining industry as really two different activities that are related. There mm -hmm. are many mining projects related with desalination projects because at the end you need a lot of water in the mining industry. So mm -hmm. normally these two areas are related in many places in the world. That's interesting. Why do you say there is such a lot of water? Do they use? I I know some mines they use the water to actually drive the iron, like the ore, to like mm -hmm. one place to the other. But do they also use that for like the processing and things like that? I think it's just for the process of the mining. I'm not familiar from because uh, when I have been working in in projects in pumping in mining is more like the watering of mm -hmm. the mining, not just the oh, process. Got it. So got it. I know that. And also, I've been involved in desalination projects where the final destination of the water was the mining industry. But I'm not really familiar of how they use the water in the different process of the mining. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's one of the things I asked you if you ever work with slurries and non-Newtonian fluids. Back then, no, Australia, no. that side is just about mine. I, 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 even if there are many areas of activities where I'm not involved in this moment. I used to review many things because at the end, you know that the, all the companies are having an evolution right now. So maybe in the future, we, we will be also working in the, in the mining industry with different type of pumps, not just yeah. water pumps or this kind mm -hmm. of pumps. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. So, uh, I was looking at some of the many stuff that you've been doing in so long. And one of them is the, project for uh, Lake Meads in uh, close to Las Vegas. And I was wondering, yeah. well, two things, if you want to talk a little bit about that project, it seems pretty interesting. The second thing is, how big are the pumps that you work with? Like, they just look massive for, for some of the pictures that you post. I, I used to work with different type of projects, but honestly, at the end, uh, the biggest ones are very impressive in order to take a picture. Mm -hmm. But, for example, myself in hydraulics, the theory behind a 12-inch pump with one specific speed is the same one when you scale up. Mm -hmm. But it, it's more, it's amazing working with big stuff because it's yeah. really easy to touch the different impellers and bolts and check everything. And when you see on site the pumps, it's like, oh, but at the end, the theory behind is the same. But it's, mm -hmm. it's incredible working with big stuff. But uh, I'm also working with 8 inches, 12 inches, depending on the application and the type of project. The Lake, Mead. the Lake Mead project was uh, because of how the water level in the Lake Mead is going down, down, down because of the drought in, Cali in Nevada. Uh, South Nevada Water Authority, they they had two pumping stations, pumping station number one and number two, that are located, the intake in different levels of the reservoir. Because of how this level is going down, there is a level where 
they are not going to be able to pump anymore. So mm -hmm. they built a tunnel uh, deep in a, a on the reservoir with so with a new intake, the low lake level pumping station in order to be prepared for that scenario. So yeah. right now those pumps are the biggest ones uh, being submersible in the world for water mm -hmm. intake. And I like the project because the number of pumps, the size of the of the pumps, but also because you see this project from the very beginning when this project was just an idea and a possibility in the past. And right now checking the pumps working on site, that's amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. Like you, imagine. you see all the how the project starts like just like this and many years later it's a reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it must be pretty pretty cool to have something that um, big yeah, implemented. Yeah, and also when you check and you feel that you are contributing to the people living there, for example, yeah. in, in Nevada, the population is growing and also in Las Vegas area, they have uh, business with the casino, so they need water. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the way that with your work or with the, your equipment or with your, your tasks, you are contributing to the people living there and the different business and the economy in the area. I think it's nice. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. And and the scale of the project as well is pretty amazing. I was reading some stuff about that yeah. project and just like, it's also everything like is so big. <laughs> the project we finished last year in California, the pumps for the new intake in Carswell desalination plant. Mm -hmm. That project also, our axial flow, uh, 100 MGD. Uh, and in this case, the pumps uh, are axial flow, but the challenge was to be fish friendly. So the yeah, idea yeah. of, of uh, taking your knowledge about hydraulics, and at the end, I always say the things that are good for hy hydraulics are good for the fishes, like mm -hmm. smooth surfaces and things like that. So mm -hmm. the idea of creating something uh, that is technically correct, but at the time that you are protecting uh, the fishes and, and the eggs uh, that are living in that lagoon in order mm -hmm. to to contribute also to the environment in the area. That's mm -hmm. also nice. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's that's really curious, actually. How do you even design thinking about that? You try to keep, like, you have an idea of the average size of the fish, and so then you try to keep, like, a clearance between blades to yeah, account have an idea of the size of the fishes you have to manage uh -huh. and also how you control like the free ball passage, the speed, uh, in order not to stress the fishes. So, uh -huh. you, but many of the features, for example, control the surface quality in order not to have like to be very uh -huh. smooth. Mm -hmm. Things that at the end are positive in terms of efficiency are also positive for the fishes. Okay, that's really interesting. Any limitation in terms of like the rotational speed? I imagine you cannot go very fast, otherwise you might just no. It's it, it's going low RPM also to control uh, the speed of the of the water at the time you are uh, fulfilling all the technical requirements of the project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. Cool. Yeah. And uh, how does it work in terms of applications? Do you usually like? Because I saw you work with the mainly this big projects. Like, 
I'm more thinking about in terms of like of the system level. Like, do you make some calculation or they actually come to you? Ah, I need a pump that is like for 3,000 gallons per hour and a head rise of uh, uh, 100 meters. Or do you actually come up with that with those numbers as well? Uh, normally, it's like uh, normally we deal a lot of with with the the one that is developing the pumping station in order mm -hmm. to understand the needs of the operation, like mm -hmm. total amount of flow, the total head, uh, checking the different pumping scenario. So it's the moment where you have to think about maybe the best slope in order to have the best pump for the different pumping scenario. And mm -hmm. with that idea of the total flow on the head and then maybe the slope of the pump you need, you divide the total flow into different number of pumps. So, so you identify like the shape of the hydraulic and then you develop uh, the idea of the pump and then the motor. So it's like, mm -hmm. to me, the most important thing in order to identify the best solution is to deal a lot with the one that is projecting in order to understand the needs of the project mm -hmm. and then uh, choosing different type of equipment in terms of a specific speed to check different slopes and mm -hmm. then checking the best one that is answering the best solution to the different working points right now and in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So do you, when you plan, when you design, you already think like, I might put another pump in parallel here because that will yes. increase yes. the flow capacity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to think maybe because of the size of the, of the sump, two pumps, three pumps, you have to think if makes sense going with a lot of number of pumps, if they are going to use or not BFD, because mm -hmm. that gives you more flexibility in order to answer the different scenario. Uh, so it's just is to have the idea of the final goals and then suggest the best application, knowing also the limitation of the pumping mm -hmm. station. Mm -hmm. And also mm -hmm. the budget they have for that in terms yeah. of uh, they plan using BFD, they plan to using one BFD for each pump or just uh, if they have 10 pumps, just three with BFD. Mm -hmm. So just knowing uh, the limitations of the design also. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. That's really cool. Do you, I saw on LinkedIn, do you still yeah. teach? Do you still give classes? Uh, in the past, I used to support uh, the university because the, the last years, because of the pandemic, and mm -hmm. uh, no, but uh, it's something I was supporting. The, the when I finished my master in mechanical engineer, I have a supervisor, and mm -hmm. right now he's the one giving classes for uh, pumps and turbo machinery design. So mm -hmm. I started going there more than giving classes in terms of how to use the software uh, in order to give um, more like uh, tasks or ideas about how to design uh, from the way of being someone that is really manufacturing, like limitation for manufacturing, uh, giving the global view before designing, like number mm -hmm. of plates, uh, taking into account the type of fluid, a manufacturing limitation in your company, a, a, where you cast materials, more like in a way of a, being a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking because 
right now that I don't teach math, I used to publish in LinkedIn many theory bytes because I think it's important to share the knowledge. Even if I don't have the habit for teaching, I like to explain the things I know to new generation of engineers. Mm -hmm. Because at the end, the knowledge you don't share is a knowledge that will finish with you. Yeah, that's maybe, right. my no, maybe my knowledge is not so important, but with the years, you complete your university knowledge with experiences. So I think it's good to share that combination to the new engineers. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely right. That's why that's why I asked because you know back in university I had so many professors that actually never left university. So yeah. nothing against that. You can be a researcher, but you lose a little bit that touch of you know the practical terms. What do you actually yeah. do with that information? Yeah, because at the end, for example, when I if I have to explain someone how to design hydraulics, I have the theory behind, but I always say the best pump that is just in your computer is just nothing. Yeah. The best pump maybe is not a super good pump, but it's a pump that is inside a budget and it's good enough for your project. So something mm. that is feasible, you can cast and you can manufacture with the budget of your project, that's a good pump. When you complete the loop, not just a good, a super good design, you have this and to be think in a global view with a budget, with the resources of your company, uh, everything. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's That's one of the good. things that I was missing when I was in the university. And one of the reasons why I started before finishing in a pump company here in my hometown, because when you are just going to classes, it's just theory and theory, and you never see how to use that information in a real case. So mm -hmm. I think it's very important to start uh, in a company or uh, internship in a, in a company, uh, if possible, in the first one, two, three years, even if at the end you are just helping the other engineers that maybe have more experiences, but being involved in real projects and but to me, real projects are the projects that are inside a budget, like the real ones that you have in a company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That actually becomes something in the end, and you see there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. And you mentioned about theory, theory bytes. So how how started this relationship with uh, empowering pumps? And uh, I know they actually did some interviews with you as well, and now you're doing the the series. Yeah, of I, I mean, really cool actually. <laughs> it's funny because. I met Charlie uh, with Instagram. Mm -hmm. We were just uh, we were connected, and then we met in one of the conferences of the Hydraulic Institute. And since that, we are connected. And like, I started publishing theory bytes in my profile in LinkedIn. So they they asked me if I was interested in sharing also through the Empowering Pumps and System magazine. Mm -hmm. So. It's, I think at the end, it's having more audience for the same idea. So I think it's quite interesting. And I mm -hmm. remember when they just started making like a profile review, like the first, how do you say, like pump expert interview. I was the first one. 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember that interview with very good feelings because I had my time to make uh, to decide how to say because I wanted to to thank all the people that has been supporting me in order to to achieve this level where I am right now with going to university like my parents my grandparents so to me that interview was really important because I was able to say all the things I wanted to say even if at the end not my grandmother and not my parents understand English, so I have to translate them. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the I'll put that interview in the in the comments later, so people can actually see. It's a really interesting interview, indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And you mentioned about the Hydraulic Institute. That's something I've been curious, but honestly, it's just my ignorance. What what is the Hydraulic Institute? I know they do some events. So what it is? Are you affiliated? Are you a member? How how does uh, that work? Uh, Inder is member of the Hydraulic Institute, and at the mm -hmm. end, the Hydraulic Institute also is uh, an institution that uh, keeps and develops standards that helps to the industry. So mm -hmm. the different actors uh, working in the pump industry on in the water industry are members of uh, the different committees. So at the end when you are a member and you participate in the committees, you are able to to support in the evolution of the standards, like mm -hmm. pump intake design, uh, pump testing, different standards that normally are uh, identified in the project that, and you have to fulfill uh, when you mm -hmm. get the specs for a new project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also a good uh, institution and the conferences is a good moment to to deal with people that is in your same business. And mm -hmm. sometimes I say that people in the water industry or in the pump industry, we have a different language. So it's like mm -hmm. having people uh, speaking your language. It's really strange because it's like when you feel like you are dealing about things that normal people don't like you to speak much. I know mm -hmm. that sometimes I'm dealing with my family and Elena, you know that we have totally disconnected from you, no? <laughs> because I started dealing about pumps, pump design, hydraulics, and Elena, you know that we have already disconnected. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling, exactly. So there's a, a couple of times yeah, I went yeah, to like a, a river with my family and then I was like, am I the only one who imagined a turbine here and how much power we can generate? And they were like, yeah. Just you. <laughs> no one thinking about that. Yeah. When I was, uh, I was saying to a friend that I was making this uh, podcast today, and I was explaining, okay, this is a guy that was working in concepts, and right now he's in Dyson. I I started to explain the Kuanda effect because mm -hmm. I'm really fun. Elena, please stop. stop. <laughs> That's too much. Stop. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's like okay, I forget that I'm too passionate with my hydraulic things or my things and sometimes it's mm, you feel strange when you yeah i know that the film that well that's one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you because it's not unfortunately i don't think there's as many passionate engineers out there as there are i don't know doctors for instance seems like yeah. a lot of them are passionate about the work no a lot of engineers is just the work but yeah i'm likewise i'm i cannot really disconnect i'm always an engineer 
Yeah, and sometimes I have to think, okay, Elena, is your passion is not the passion of everyone. So you have to control the way to expose the things because I start speaking and talking and talking and talking and too much. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly the feeling. And well, with that in mind, what are your interests, you know, with and outside engineering? Like, do they overlap or what do you do in your free time? There's nothing to do in the, with engineering inside, or? Inside engineering, uh, I like everything, all the projects related with water, not mm -hmm. just maybe just pumping. That's, I think that was one of the reasons why, why I did uh, civil engineering. Uh, in order to understand like dams and mm -hmm. pumping systems, things related with water is one of the areas that I really love. And when I visit different places, that is another of my passions that right now is not possible is traveling. <laughs> there are two things I like to visit: uh, places close to the close to water, like beaches, dams, reservoirs, and bridges. If uh, I think I'm too old for going back to the university, but I love watching videos about the construction of bridges. I can just look at mega structure on all the YouTube videos about uh, San Francisco Bridge. Uh, mm -hmm. All the I can just check once, another one, another one, <laughs> another one. I love bridges. That's good. That's awesome. <laughs> That's in engineering, and apart from engineering, I love traveling. I like visiting different places. I know that because of my job, sometimes I'm able to visit places that normally you don't choose, like destination for your holidays. Mm -hmm. But I like visit different places, and normally places where I don't understand the language. Really, do you enjoy that? I went to Japan in 2018 mm -hmm. and it's like like I don't understand anything I'm able to disconnect from my normal life <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool yeah 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 awesome and we talked a little bit before but um well going back a little bit about the hydraulics institute that you mentioned well, now with the whole world going greener and trying to save energy and things like that, what do you think in terms of the future, what are coming in the standards for the new pumps in terms of being more efficient? Not just necessarily being more efficient, yeah. but how do you apply that? Like recirculation, you know, treatment, IGV, stuff like that. I think the efficiency of the equipment will be really important and mm -hmm. also the design of equipment that is safe with the environment. At the end, uh, also the scenario we are suffering right now is a result uh, for not having control of the things we were doing in terms of uh, environmental protection and things like that. And in terms of pumping, in my opinion, having uh, very efficient hydraulics and also having efficient electrical motors will be really important and also materials, new materials. I think the future is with new materials. They, they, when you mentioned the use of BFD in order to be able to be using the pump in the most efficient uh, duty point all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the future. And also designing equipment that is friendly with environment and also with the protection of the people living in the area. 
like noises, trying to avoid noises. Uh, we have to take care about the environment. And I think right now, this is a scenario of these two years with the coronavirus. I don't know if we are going to learn something, but we have to take care of the environment a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it definitely takes yeah. a stone point. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned about always being in the more efficient point of operation. Do you, is it something that you see becoming more common, the pumps with like variable speeds? Because that's something was not common. like even five years ago, and now it looks like compressors are being variable speed, pumps are being variable speed. Normally, when you are going to have a big difference in between the heads and you have a lot of working points you have to control, just with valves is not possible. Uh, for example, mm -hmm. in desalination or maybe water intake with different working points. So the mm -hmm. only way of uh, using your equipment in a very efficient way it's sometimes having a BFD that supports you in the selection of the uh, working point. Mm -hmm. Sometimes also in desalination, you have a limitation of the total flow or the total amount of water you can take from the ocean. So the mm -hmm. only way is having a BFD in order to control the working point of your equipment. So mm -hmm. I think, and also checking the request of efficiency, uh, I feel that the new projects are asking for more efficient equipment that maybe mm -hmm. it was in the past. And mm -hmm. also depending on the application, maybe, for example, my experience is when you go for mining, maybe you need a strong equipment. Uh, efficiency is important, but not so much. Mm -hmm. But when you go with water supply, uh, desalination, the, having a very good efficiency is really important. But also, right now in mining, at the end you are paying for the electricity. You have to have very efficient and strong equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely right. There was a, a long time ago, I did work in a project for um, a siderurgy company. I don't, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say the name, so I'm not going to say, it, but they basically they reduced the INR to steel and they have those mm -hmm. huge furnaces that you're just burning so I was working in the system that was uh, doing the refrigeration out of that there's uh -huh. not much in terms of you know, of the uh, controlling of the heat but it was more that you know it was a company that was I don't know one square kilometer and after 50 mm -hmm. years they grew and they were the size of a city so no one actually knew how the pipeline was working so we kind of tried to come up with that literally some points we had to literally go to the plant and follow the pipe because it was not in any part of it. Mm -hmm. But they had something like six pumps in parallel, all of them really big, and they were like Japanese pumps. And they, they had literally like six, 60 years old. So uh -huh. I was, you know, I was using the, the performance pumps that they get for the software that I was using one D calculation. Yeah. I was using the original performance pumps. And it just didn't make sense, like with the measurements that we're doing on the on the plants. Because so the only thing that makes sense is that this pump has less head for the same flow. That's the only thing that can justify. Yeah. At the end, if they are using all pumps and they have suffered wear in the clustering, they are, mm -hmm. the shape of the performance curve has changed a little mm -hmm. bit. So you are having for the same head less flow. So mm -hmm. with the years, if you don't make a good maintenance of your equipment, you are losing uh, yeah. the performance of your oil equipment. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I saw. They didn't really believe much, but it was like, that's the only thing that makes sense. And in the end, we were able to do like some rough calculations. Like if you yeah. replace this pump for a pump with the current standards, you would be able to say, like it was something in the ballpark of like $10,000 a year in terms of electricity, just because those pumps are so yeah. inefficient. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right now when I, we face new projects making retrofits, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm used to review the old pump performance curve and more than the curves, I'm surprised how it's different of this. It's, everything was prepared by hand, the yeah. drawings. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I feel, okay, that's a very hard work to prepare all this documentation 60 years back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More than the performance of the equipment, I'm surprised of the quality of the information. Everything prepared by hand. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, when I, I was mentioning before about the museum of the pipeline in Australia, yeah. all the calculations of the head rise and where they need to put the pumping stations, everything you could see just by hand. I was like, I'm so glad I was not on that time because I'm terrible at drawing. My handwriting yeah. is terrible. Like I, I am not sure if I would, I would have made it. <laughs> I'm sometimes surprised because making drawings with all the actual software is really easy to make like different balls. It's just clone the pieces and you check making drawings by hand and all the balls and all the stages of a multi-stage pump are equal and everything is by hand. That's a very hard work. <laughs> yeah, as absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So, Elena, I'm mindful of the time. I don't want to take much of you, but First of all, thank you very much already. And if you want to put a close note, what you want to say for people who want to succeed no, in your industry? I just always say, just in case you have question about this business, like pump industry or water industry, I always say, try this area. Because at the end, inside pump industry or water industry, you have different areas, different disciplines, you can be maybe in the quality department, maybe in the design department, maybe in the sales department. So just to try this business, because once you try, you love it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I just started in 1997 with my summer training, and I've been in this business for many, many years. And every year is like, I love more this business. It's like, I find new, areas or something I want to increase my knowledge so it's okay I, I have to review that book or I have to there is always something new every day you learn something new in because of a new project maybe because you learn about something different or just to try this business mm -hmm. that's great that's pretty inspiring thank you very much and uh, thank you. yeah I, I hope you enjoy the end result when I Publish this. And yeah, yeah thank, you, I, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm pretty sure I'm going to invite you again very soon when yeah, there is like I, something news about flood and stuff was, like that. I was a little bit concerned uh, because of my English. Oh, please. I'm not a native too, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, okay, Elena, you can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's exactly one of the reasons I created this podcast. I think. Engineers don't really put their voice out. And no, some, no. something that we see in this coronavirus pandemic is that we need more scientific voices. People saying, yeah. 
this is what actually works. It's not my opinion. It's this is numbers. Yeah. This works, and that's why. And we, um, as engineers, we need to put it out there. Yeah, and sometimes when the people say that right now because of the coronavirus, like just the health system is improving, I always say also the engineering because if you Absolutely. need vaccines, you need systems to control the temperature, and that's yeah. a matter of engineering. That's not a medicine issue. It's not the health system. It's engineering. Is yeah. uh, so at the end. Engineers are part of the solution of this situation. Also. Absolutely. Yeah, there is a, a quote that once I saw that uh, it's the problem with engineering is that if everything is working, no one knows, you know, like it's really easy. You go there to your tech and the water is there, but they don't yeah. know how much work and theory goes behind that to just be able to be there. Water is there. Yeah. I was available. Yeah. For you, so. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Thank you very much. Okay, Have a great weekend. Thank Thanks you. so much for this. And uh, yeah, you. I'll put the I'll put the link in the comments for people to see your interview and how to reach out to you. Okay. <laughs>